What does it mean today to be Ukrainian? Or rather, how does one's sense of being Ukrainian reflect on a life full of professional achievements and personal fulfillment? In speaking to 10 Canadian Ukrainians, we'll learn that life isn't merely about symbols, words, or traditions, but about how one's place in their community is enhanced and their sense of life enriched by having one foot firmly rooted in their past and the other stepping boldly forward into the present. This is the Ukrainian Connection, presented by Sound Lounge by T-Bone, with generous funding provided thanks to Ukrainian-Canadian Congress Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan Lotteries. Welcome to the program. My name is Paul Miazga. Saskatoon's Diane Boyko seems to be everywhere when it comes to arts, education, and community. Putting aside her previous involvement in the Vesna Choir and the Yevshan Dance Ensemble, Diane served as co-chair of the Juno Awards Organizing Committee in 1997 and on the committee to host the Canadian Country Music Awards in both 2012 and 2017. She is vice president of the board of directors at Musée Ukraine Museum, is part of the Ukrainian-Canadian Professional and Business Association, has been coordinator of the Sundog Arts and Entertainment Fair since 1995, has been a Catholic school board trustee since 2003, and among many other distinctions, in 2012 she was awarded the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal for her significant contributions to her community and country over her lifetime. Diane, welcome to the Ukrainian Connection. Thank you, Paul. I'm pleased to be here. Right on. Well, on the Ukrainian-Canadian Congress website, it mentions in your bio your deep Ukrainian roots and that you grew up speaking the language. Why is that in particular important to you? What other aspects of your, of your culture do you carefully nurture? Yeah, well, you know, growing up speaking the language, it was the only thing I knew till I went to school. Okay. And so there was, you know, that connection to my grandparents, to my great-grandparents. It was it was simply a method of communication. I can think at that point, you know, you don't really think it's it's anything special or unique because it's your everyday language that you use. And, and so to be able to nurture that within a whole community, so growing up in a small town that was, you know, 95% Ukrainian, that, that there was uh, a, a real community of Ukraine that spoke the language, lived the language, um, celebrated in the language, it was just very much just a, a natural place for me to be. Right on. Other aspects of your culture that uh, you've uh, you know taken upon yourself, I mean, we've mentioned dance, choir. How does that, uh, how did that come to be? Is it just an outgrowth of uh, you growing up in uh, this community? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, you know, I, we worshipped in the language. So, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able, I, I went to St. Michael's Ukrainian Catholic Church there. And so everything was in Ukrainian there as well. Um, I was fortunate enough, as you mentioned, to be able to go in and dance with Yoshan Ukrainian Folk Ballet. And so that was a beautiful um, aspect of, uh, in a different way of portraying who I was as a Ukrainian girl at that time and a woman now. So it was all of those things that that sort of culminated together that that just made my life really rich and and um, very, very affirming, I think. Nice. Uh- Education takes center stage in your life owing to your role as a Catholic school board trustee over much of the past two decades. Uh, What relevance does teaching Ukrainian in school have in the present day? What other aspects of education do you actively advocate or espouse? Yeah, you know, um, as you mentioned, I've been a a trustee since 2003 and, and chair of the board for the last 12 years. And I've seen how strong 
Bishop Falavich Ukrainian Bilingual School is and how it's grown. I mean, my both of my girls attended at St. Goretti when it was still a program, and it was a dual program there. Okay. And just the importance of what that meant to me to be able to give my children that opportunity not only to be part of a, a Catholic school, which is so important, to celebrate the Byzantine Rite, which is so mm-hmm. important for me as well, and for my family, but also for them to be able to go to a school that, that they lived they breathed. Um, everything was Ukrainian in that kind of an atmosphere. And so for the division to have taken the step, um, it's I think it's 42, 41 years already that that oh, wow. uh, program and now school exists. And so for the Board of Education at the time, uh, to uh, under Julian Pazlowski was actually one of the superintendents then who was very much a proponent of the program beginning. So to have a school now where we have that opportunity to speak the language, again, back to the faith, to be able to Welcome all of the the um, um, the immigrant families who are coming here from Ukraine, where they have a place where it's such a beautiful extension for them to come. They come to a strange place and they feel at home, and that's a very unique perspective that we have. Absolutely, um, part of your focus in education has been to build bridges with the indigenous community uh, here in Saskatoon, and to ensure access to education, activity programming, and healthy meals for kids from families that face unique hardships and obstacles. Why is this issue so close to your heart? I think I've just always felt a real affinity with our First Nations brothers and sisters, and 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 I've watched the similarities in lots of ways from a cultural perspective. I mm-hmm. think there's always been that, but I think as as a school division and as a Catholic school division, we're really called to be good stewards of. Our, the people that work in our division, the division itself from the financial perspective, but also as a Catholic school board, we have a real focus on what that means to be our brother's keeper. Mm-hmm. And so if there are our people, and in this case, children that, that need the supports that they need, the strength that, that we can bring to that community working alongside them allows them to um, um, fulfill their destiny, I think, in lots of ways. And, and maybe allows is, is the wrong word, but it gives them the opportunity and the platform to be able to focus on what they need to become the people that they need to become um, on their this journey. And so I think I've just always felt an affinity that 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 uh, that opportunity that I have seen for my children, okay. um, that other people should be able to have that too. And so with St. Francis Cree Bilingual School. With, I was just about to mention that. Yeah, with, with St. Michael's, which is the uh, Métis and Michif programming, mm-hmm. um, St. Mary's Wellness and Education Center and all the partnerships that exist. It's just been such a, a, a natural flow to be able to offer those kind of supports so that Indigenous culture and language is is flourishing where at one time it wasn't. So to be able to be in partnership is just such a really uh, affirming thing. Nice. It's interesting how, with what you mentioned about the Cree language program at St. Francis and also the Michif programming at St. Michael, suddenly there's more of a demand for teachers who speak these languages. So it's no longer this idea of a language being somewhat anachronistic or uh, out of uh, place in the modern world, suddenly there's a demand for people who can speak these languages and are educators in these languages so that there are all kinds of parents who can then uh, turn to these schools and these programs to keep their cultures alive. Yeah, it's been a real awakening, I think. And, and you know, there are some, um, you know, I, I think, for example, uh, of what goes on at Bishop Falavich, where there is such a, there's a dichotomy there of the students. So you not only have the students who are from new immigrant families, but you also have st- uh, students that are there that possibly their Bob and Dido only had a very small uh, uh, capacity to speak the language and mm-hmm. maybe kept some of the traditions. And so it's the same thing, I think, in within our, our, our Cree bilingual program and our Michif program too, Certainly. that there is a reawakening 
learning. And um, I think it was Louis Riel that had said it best, right, is that education will be the white buffalo and there'll be the reawakening. And, and the arts were, are, are also going to do that. And it's, it's all combined all at once, I think. And there's just the opportunity to share with, as, as you mentioned, all of these teachers and parents who have such a desire to be able to give their children something maybe they didn't have. And so it's, it's been a really exciting journey. Very nice. You know, I, I was recently at Wanuskewin Heritage Park and seeing some of the new displays that they have where they have Cree speakers talking about the syllabics and the importance of different directions and the grandfather directions and the grandmother directions of the language. It really uh, makes you understand some of the fundamental parts of their culture in the same way that understanding some of the aspects of uh, Ukrainian Cyrillics uh, gets into some of the history of the uh, culture and uh, where it comes from. Yeah, and I think, you know, I feel a real affinity with that because you see those kind of parallels that are there and, and you recognize, there's something that, that makes me recognize my, it's almost like I recognize myself in lots of ways. Wonderful. Um, as the coordinator of the annual Sundog Arts and Entertainment Fair, you're responsible for bringing hundreds of artists, crafters, and musicians together with the general public. And you've also been involved in the organizing committee for the Junos in, in 97, as I mentioned, and the Canadian Country Music Awards. How did you first get involved in Sundog? And what are the hallmarks of, of an event in which Diane Boyko has played a role? Well, I have I have this great story when you speak talk about stories. Um, so I was 16 years old and I was dancing with the Afshan Ukrainian Folk Ballet Ensemble, living in Elvina. And the very first Sundog was held at then it was called the Centennial Auditorium down in the basement. Okay. And so we were part of the performing. They have a performing stage, and I went there, and it was like Woodstock. You could have cut the weed with a knife, <laughs> and people with beads and long hair and flowing skirts were everywhere. And so that was my first. I've been with Sundog in some capacity right since the very inception of it. So that wow. would have been like, you know, 46 years ago. And so um, I've coordinated it for the last 25 and uh, um, I've loved it because the concept hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And so there, there's, you know, the, the, not only the market, but there's also the entertainment, there's the food court, there's the children's mm -hmm. area, the demonstration area. And what I love about it too is I am basically the only employee Everyone else is a volunteer from different organizations. So the youth wow. orchestra takes care of the coat check. The cadets, medical corps take care of the door and, and helping Christina Trinesky uh, on the stage area. Um, the Dundurn ladies take care of the food court. So we, we figured out there's probably about 230 volunteers wow. that are, are paid an honorarium, of course, uh, their okay. organization is, that contribute to Sundog. And I think that's that's probably why I love it so much is, is because it is people just coming together and and putting on this great show, which is what I've done my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, when I think about Sundog, the whole idea of bespoke crafts and uh, different things, whether it's baby onesies or some sort of wall art or whatever it might be, in the last few years, this has finally become kind of a mainstream idea, whereas decades ago, like you say, it was kind of this more hippie idea where it was a very fringe element of the population that was going and patronizing such an event. And now it's just become so much more mainstream. And it's a place that like uh, other types of um, similar events or uh, organizations in the city and elsewhere are promoting this idea of unique gifts that uh, or things for home, office, whatever it might be are available and there, and you have a direct relationship with the people involved. Uh, to me, it seems as if 
this is something that uh, speaks very much to uh, your immersion in all of these different things that you've done over your life. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's exactly it. People are, 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 I'm not sure if it's coming back or, or maybe just realizing how important it is to, to actually feel something, mm. touch something, speak to the person who's actually made it and take it home and cherish it. Mm. I think that's all, all a part of what it, what it means to sort of, there's, there's this renewal or reawakening of what it means to have things that are handmade mm-hmm. and that there's a story behind. And so I think that's the beautiful part. And, and I think, you know, by, by extension of what I do there, that's how I've approached lots of those other things that I've been involved in. They've all been community-based and they've all been people basically coming together to, um, to share their, their ideas, to share their skills and to be able to put something together for the general public. So I've, I've been really blessed uh, to be able to be part of that in my, throughout my whole life. You've also done a lot of emceeing at various mm. events in your uh, life. How did you get involved in that? I like to talk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but part of, you know, I, I look back, you know, growing up in a small town where everyone contributed to the community. And, you know, even in a small school where you had a K to 12 school where there were 112 kids in it. And so everybody had to be part of it or else something didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were on the ball team because they needed nine <laughs> players and that was just what it was. But we also were very close in community. You know, we were in grade seven and we were looking after the curling rink canteen and that meant ordering food and and, you know, dealing with uh, reconciling the dollar, the money and all of those kind of things. So it's just been, I've grown up in that atmosphere. Again, it, it's just not, it's not something that's unique to me because it has been who I always have, have been. And so you learn and you do. Right on. Uh, you grew up in tiny Elvina, Saskatchewan, and yet in 2012, you received national recognition in the form of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal for your service to community and country. You've also received recognition from uh, Ukrainian Canadian Congress on the national level and also on the provincial level. Which of these awards means the most to you? How would you, how, uh, how do you um, place them in terms of uh, their importance in your life? Well, I think that recognition, when anyone receives an award for the work that they do within community, I think there's somewhat a responsibility that you have to recognize that, you know, we're not an island and that you didn't do any of that work on your own and that it's a representation of who you are and the people that you surround yourself with, um, the the organizations that are part of your life and just sort of the overlapping of all of that. And, and I always really, really considered it, it an, an award for the work that I've done with the people that I've done. Mm-hmm. And and I, I appreciate the, the fact that, that someone felt that they could put my name forward. And I, 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 I'm very grateful for that. But I always feel that it is for, and I know everyone says that when they do a, a receive an award, but it is really a recognition of what we do as community. And Mm-hmm. You know, by virtue of, I guess, you know, some of the skills I have that you have some leadership skills and, and and those people are the ones maybe that are at the forefront, I guess, when an award is presented. But it's the recognition of all the people that you work with and the, and, uh, the celebration of the things that we do. For sure. Uh, you know, when you uh, reflect on the fact that you came from this small town where everybody took part in something, it seems like that they had uh, that experience in its own right led to a lot of the things that you have if you I can say so, fluency or certainly uh, an understanding and grasp of uh, today. I mean, whether it's reconciling money through uh, operating the canteen as a grade seven student or being part of a ball team with peers that might be several uh, years older than yourself or just 
being uh, so tightly knit in that small little group, you know, and yet here you've uh, come to uh, receive recognition on a national stage and it seems um, kind of um, almost like a bit of a dream, you know, like this uh, small town success story, you know, yeah. is, did you uh, ever have these kinds of you know, notions of like big success and uh, really being um a very prominent uh, person in your own right when you were young? Did you have such dreams when you were growing up? Well, I think it was it was the norm for all of us that grew up in that area. We all shared those kind of experiences and that kind of representation, I guess. And so for me, moving to Saskatoon, where um, I had family, it wasn't a, a, a someplace different that I was going. I was visiting my Baba all the time. And so Saskatoon felt very much like my community. And I think that's one of the things is that it, we, we had a, a community wherever we were, and we came together in Saskatoon as a different community, but it was still a small community within the larger community of Saskatoon, right? And so I think that a lot of that has to do with the, the sort of the, the tight community that we have as a Ukrainian community here, where people branch in so many different ways. And it's, it's you know, I think our responsibility, too, is to take who we are as a community and share that with the larger community. And so I think that that kind of opportunity that that all of the experiences that I've had in my life has, has um, I guess, layered uh, along itself and then given me the opportunity to share who I am as a Ukrainian woman, as a woman from a small town, as a woman from Saskatchewan, as, as a mother. All of those things have layered um, to, um, I guess, give me a great life. And I've been really blessed in all the things that I've had the opportunity to do. And I take the responsibility seriously. You know, um, there are opportunities where I, I happen to be the spokesperson for something. Mm -hmm. And I will love it when I go to church and one of my little Baba friends will come and say, I saw you on that commercial or I heard you on that interview. I'm so proud of you. And I take that so much to heart. And it, it just warms my soul, just for the, not so much for the recognition, but that that little Baba feels that I'm part of her life. Oh, and I nice. think that's an important part for, for me. It's been a really important part. I like hearing that. Diane Boyko, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today on the Ukrainian Connection. Thank you, Paul. We've been speaking with Diane Boyko, a Saskatoon Catholic School Board trustee and chair of the board for the school board and coordinator of the Sundog Arts and Entertainment Fair, among other things. The Ukrainian Connection explores the personal and professional side of Canadians whose connection to their culture is vibrant and well-established. But this isn't just about pierogies and pisinke. It's about how excellence in a life well-lived reflects positively on one's background and how family traditions lay the foundation for positive achievements and passionate role models in the Ukrainian-Canadian community. The Ukrainian Connection is presented by Sound Lounge by T-Bone with generous funding provided by Ukrainian-Canadian Congress Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan Lotteries. Listen. It's what we're hoping for every day of our audience, our business superfans, even our friends and our family, that they listen to who we are, to what we are. But it only happens when your message is delivered well in a memorable way. How does Sound Lounge do this for you and your business? Through radio ads, audio for your videos, recording your podcasts, or helping with voiceover for your events. Find T-Bone online at thesoundlounge.ca. Sound Lounge by T-Bone.